0: Hey everybody, Mike Rudd here from Hashtag 59. Today we have a brand new podcast that I just cannot wait to share with you. It's about budget travel and how to travel inexpensively. In this episode, we're going to discuss how myself and my wife have flown over 50 times for free on round trip flights over the last six years. How John B. just got back from a two-week road trip in Yellowstone that cost him pennies on the dollar and how he's been to Asia and all over the world multiple times, and how my co-host of the podcast, Amy Kay, even broke up with somebody one time because they wouldn't be able to figure out how to carry on their luggage on an international flight. All this and more on our budget travel and how to travel inexpensively podcast. Hope you enjoy and see you on the inside. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast, where we discuss adventure in everyday places. If you don't know who we are, we are a community of outdoors and adventure travel advocates, and today we're going to be discussing how to travel inexpensively. Get ready, Penny Pinchers. This one's for you. I'd like to introduce, first of all, myself, Mike, coming at you, one half of Hashtag 59, my much better half of Hashtag59. Amy, say what's up. Hi, guys. And we got John B., resident contributing writer from Washington, D.C., on the blog and now joining the podcast. J.B., what's happening, dude?
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I was curious as to why you chose me as a representative for All Things Cheap on the podcast. like. Why was my name the first that came to your head when you were like, you know who's the cheapest person I know? John. Because I've known you since college and I've traveled with you.
0: And it just was a perfect fit.
1: (laughs) I was just on vacation and my family was giving me a hard time for my cheap decisions as well. Every time I've gone somewhere
0: with you, I wind up saving a couple dollars, but it takes a couple hours (laughs) to save those couple dollars.
2: I mean, it's the whole time versus money thing, so...
0: Yes, when Amy said she wanted to cover this topic of the podcast, I said, I got just the guy (laughs) to come on with us.
1: That's right. Being frugal. I'm all about it. Yeah. And Amy, I feel like we're kindred spirits because I was listening to your Iceland podcast and I heard what I thought was someone who also liked to travel inexpensively.
2: Kind of. So my boyfriend is actually notoriously cheap. So he's kind of the one who's like, well, I'm going to go to Iceland, but I only want to spend X amount of money. And so... It was kind of on me to be like, okay, here's how we can go, here's what we can do, here's how we can save money. So yeah. Gotcha.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Cool.
0: I I used to think I was cheap, but sitting here on this round table, I definitely, <laughs> definitely kind of feel like I'm a extravagant spender. You're just, you're just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling that like money. juvenile, watching <laughs> Cash Money records, but it's really not the case. John.
1: Uh, brutal. Frugal.
0: Yes, exactly. John, why don't actually, before we jump into some of the questions and what we're going to talk about, tell people what else you're up to in the world because I think you got to, other than being a old college buddy of mine, a DC contributor for Hashtag 59, you got some other cool stuff going on in the uh, space, in particular one of your hobbies and your podcast. So tell everybody about that.
1: Sure. Uh, so I'm a 59er. Can we coin that term like yes. your listeners? I'm a 59er. Like everyone else, I'm enjoying the podcast, so I appreciate that. I like the blog. I, I do check it when I travel. That is one of my hobbies is just getting out and seeing things, uh, which is why I think Rob Namie reached out to me. And one of the things I do here in D.C. is I actually help people figure out their days, tourists figure out their days, basically. So I, I volunteer at the Smithsonian Castle. And I'm a docent there, too, so I'm tours as well as just kind of helping people figure out their days and, and what they want to do in the museums, and I kind of like doing that. Uh, I do need to disclose that I'm not representing the Smithsonian in any fashion. They don't like it when people officially represent them, so I am not officially representing the Smithsonian in any capacity here, just getting that housekeeping note out of the way. And I also have a podcast with another one of our college friends. Uh, his name is Dave Cross, and he and I do a podcast called Award Wieners, where we Watch Oscar winning movies while watching, while eating Oscar Mayer wieners. Um, and we try to theme a hot dog to each movie that we do. So that's kind of our little shtick. You can go to com and check us out.
0: Love that. That's we'll put, awesome. We'll put that disclaimer in the show notes as well for the Smithsonian, just so they're extra uber happy with the. They'll,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, hopefully this will bubble up to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would love to have. Everybody who works at the Smithsonian in D.C. listening to this just, podcast, just
2: tag them a million times. <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll get them on here. And nice. I also really check out John and Dave's podcast. It's witty, it's funny, and they really do provide, I think, some really cool and unique views of the movies they're reviewing. And being a guy who sold hot dogs to pay his way through college, I can't argue with the name or the concept. <laughs>
1: I mean, we nice. practically stole it from you.
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, what are we going to do here? Oh, Rudd started a business off of that hot dog costume. We could start a podcast <laughs> off
1: of it. I know. Exactly. He yeah. wrote the book on this. Exactly.
0: All right, let's jump in. Today, we're going to talk about how to travel on the, the cheap, essentially. Uh, budget,
1: budget travel,
0: travel. inexpensively, mm-hmm. if you will. And I want to start – I'm going to start with Amy. And then John will hit you up and chime in. What are some travel ideas? Because I think people are looking to travel more. But I hear this so much. Oh, I can't travel like you. Or, oh, I can't do – it's it's excuseville. And I do think a, a big deterrent is people have these visions, these grandiose visions in their head of how expensive it is to travel to all places. So let's just – Kind of start with, what are some travel ideas for people who are actually looking that I have a specific budget, which is 99% of us. Yeah. Where do you go? What do you do? How do you do it?
2: So I think, first of all, doing like long weekend trips is like key. So if you are planning like around like a holiday vacation, like a holiday that you already have off of work, you can add a day or two so you can make a five-day trip. I also think... We'll probably get into this a little bit more, but really trying to do like kind of like point points from credit cards um to get sign up bonuses like that's a big key. Um I just flew to New York City for free um because I had' enough points to do it um we also my boyfriend and I also have the companion pass from Southwest, which we'll also probably get into. We're gonna
0: jump in about the companion pass for sure,
2: yeah which allows us to, for for me, basically, to travel with him whenever I want to, wherever we go, for free. So those are kind of a couple things. Um, But then also, on the other end of it, kind of looking at maybe maybe under-the-radar locations. So instead of going to Paris, go to Prague, which is cheaper. Or um, instead of going to Japan... You could go to Southeast Asia, which is much cheaper. So maybe something like that, just kind of like looking at places that are still like up and coming.
0: Outstanding. I totally agree. I'm actually fine. Jill and I are going to Alaska this Friday, and our flights are free Yes. as well. John, what do you got, man?
1: So I think you guys kind of touched on some of the things that I agree with, and that is just kind of... You know, everything depends on your budget and your schedule. So the further you can plan out in advance, I think the better it is because you'll you'll tend to save more money. So, uh, you know, obviously, like, that, the far in advance planning means, like, your tickets are going to be cheaper on the airlines. There's more hotels, so the prices are typically cheaper because I think there's this supply and demand kind of thing that happens where, you know, the fewer tickets there are left on an airline, they tend to be more expensive. And I think... It just depends on what you want to get out of your budget too. So I like that idea of, you know, like maybe you fly to Southeast Asia instead of going to Japan and Google has a tool for that. I think it's just called Google flights and they'll yeah. just show you cheap flights flying out of nearby airports to all over. You can kind of pick destinations or ranges or even I think dollar amounts and you can just say like, you know what? I feel like leaving town. I'm going to look to see what I can get for 300 bucks and they'll show you like every flight that's $300 out of your airport and what days that's happening. And I think I really like that idea of just, like, weekend trips. I think you guys have touched on some of this, you know, like, with the day hikes that you guys are doing uh, in different parts of Ohio. There's a lot of things probably within a half day's drive that we've never done and don't even know about yet. Just, I think those are some of the best trips. You can just get, like, an inexpensive overnighter kind of thing. And I'm going to ask you guys about, we've talked about this, the Wilds. Have you done that yet? Have not done that. You've only been able to do that for 10 years.
2: Have you been?
1: Yes, it's amazing. I've never
2: been there either.
1: Oh, man, it's like an hour out from you guys, not even. So just for those who don't know, the Wilds is this crazy nature, I guess we could say preserve, outside of Columbus, maybe an hour outside of Columbus. Uh, It used to be like strip-mined land, and they've turned it into, uh, I guess, trees and things don't really grow there. So it's kind of this giant savanna now of grass. And they have all these animals there that are part of the National Zoo system. Uh, so they have animals all over uh, the country that they use for breeding purposes. So this isn't like some rinky-dink roadside attraction. No, they, like, just, rhi- they have weird. like rhinos wandering around. Um, they have herds of these Chinese deer that are extinct in the wild. And you can get a trip with a ranger. Like you can sit in the back of his pickup and he'll drive you around. And I it to like pet a rhino and feed a giraffe and all that. It is so cool. Um, and it's like an hour out. Just right in the middle of Iowa.
0: Yeah, and you can do that on a day trip. You don't even have to spend yeah. the night somewhere.
1: It is okay, so it's a little pricey. I'm not going to say that's not a cheap. That's not a cheap thing sitting in the back of the ranger's truck, but you should go and check it out. It's it's not far. Like you're not looking to spend money on hotels and flights and all that. That's like something that can be done pretty easily.
0: I think the point the point you're really keying in on too is opportunities are everywhere. You just have to open your eyes to them as well. I
1: think. Yeah, definitely. Listening to hashtag fifty nine, right? Just you guys are point, pointing these things out. That is one. Yeah. That is one surefire way to do that. For me,
0: I like to combine trips. For instance, my friends got married in Maine, and we went. I wanted to go to Acadia National Park, and we wanted to go to the wedding, and we combined that into what could have been two trips. We did one trip on that. Weddings and national parks have been a nice combination for me on that. Work trips as well. I got I've been to Zion three times, Death Valley twice, Capitol Reef National Park in Utah, all on side work trips where my only cost, I'm already there. Yeah. My only cost is maybe and oftentimes I would have to rent a car anyway. And I was fortunate to either. I could pay for the difference, but because adding on an extra day of a car rental is not very expensive,
2: yeah. or the,
0: sometimes I would just ask my place, and they would do that. The flight, you're already coming back and forth, and then if you find a nice spot, you're paying an extra 150, 200 bucks for what could have been its own separate trip. So I think combining trips, both combining trips into like a wedding and a national park trip if you're thinking about doing something or a work trip my examples with going to Zion and Death Valley combined five times off of work trips and then the best one tent camping you can stay in some amazing amazing places for 10 dollars a night if you don't think if you really want to have a budget and don't think you can afford to travel sleep outside Sleep on the ground and tent camping is huge.
2: Yeah, that's how my family. That's how we like traveled when we were kids. Like, I don't. I never flew on an airplane until I was eighteen. Yeah. And then we like barely ever stayed at hotels.
0: And these, I think, are good. Th- these are good travel ideas for people to look and travel on a budget. John, though, what what about what about some secret travel tricks that you use?
1: Yeah. Well. First off, just to reiterate that camping point, I love that to some degree. I'm not always looking forward to sleeping on the ground, but I think I did a a road trip across the country with two other people, and I think, like, all told, it was like a week and a half. It probably was less than $400, including gas, food, and lodging, because we just camped the whole time. Drove from Columbus all the way to California, up the coast, and then back. You know, like, you can do it really cheap if you're, like, if you're, Ready for it, and it just depends on like what amenities you want. Uh, but I think traveling cheap. I think just a little bit of research is really good. Just like knowing what to bring on your trip, looking at what is around and what's free in the areas that you're going to. Lots of museums have like free admission days. There's free tours and like all sorts of other things. And I think a lot of travel sites, like social travel sites, have tips for for doing those things. Like Tripadvisor is a good one to kind of just look at to get a feel for things. And Atlas Obscura is another one that I like looking at, too. Um, and then I feel like some of this may seem obvious, but I, I'm not sure all of us do these things. Just spending a few minutes looking for a discount before you arrange any of your bookings. You know, just typing whatever the name of the place that you're going in plus discount. Sometimes you'll get an internet code. You can save your stuff like 5 or 10% on things. You know, like every little bit counts. That you guys wanted to keep rolling podcasting. through? I got that, I got a lot. That is but, why yeah.
0: you're on this podcast, man. Keep firing <laughs> them away. All right, all right. 5% all right. on those online discount codes. That's
1: right. That's right. Like super couponing. I'm not into that yet, but I feel like I could get there with travel.
2: Yeah, along those same lines, like if you book, if you really need to stay in hotels, if you book 10 nights on hotels.com, you get like the next night for free. So you don't have to do it consecutively. So if you're, you know, if you do like a lot of traveling or you're um, a business traveler, you can sometimes use that to your advantage.
0: If, yeah. you, if you organize your credit cards and are really strategic with how you spend your money, and you this always comes with the big, big asterisk of you pay your credit card off in full from money you already have in your bank account at the end of every month. And you don't get interest rates. You can get so much free travel. It's stupid. yeah. I mean, utilizing Chase Ultimate Rewards, for instance. I have a card that gets any. I get double points for restaurants and travel. And travel. Then I have a card that does once a quarter five times points. I have
2: the same one
0: <laughs> on different things, and when it's gas, I use just that card for gas. Yeah. And when it's when it's restaurants and I'm getting five points, and I don't use, use the double card. Yeah. There's one for business expenses. So for my businesses, I use, I pay my Verizon bill on this card and only this card. When I run Facebook ads, I use it and I use all those, and then they go into this little magical pocket on Chase, and you can transfer one to one. To Southwest, to United.
2: Well, not only that. If you have the Freedom Card, you should be transferring those points over to your Ultimate Reward, like your the Chase. I forgot which card it is.
0: Yeah, the, the Sapphire uh, the Reserve. Because you, you get
2: more points.
0: You combine all your points and then you transfer them into this little bucket and then you book your flights or your hotel Perhaps. or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, some of those sites too for booking they also give you like combo deals. So if you book a flight, you can get a cheaper car rental or or a hotel. It just depends on what their specials are. So I think that kind of goes back into the research bucket where if you just spend a few minutes kind of looking into these things, there's a lot of deals that are available if you have a few minutes just to kind of look in advance. For booking flights, like how do you guys typically book flights? Are there like sites that you go to or...
0: We're going to get into that. So I have a companion pass on Southwest. So I just mm-hmm. basically use Southwest. But if I don't, if I'm flying internationally, I'll use, is it, it's Orbitz, uh, Kayak, one couple of those sites and just make sure that I'm getting that cheapest opportunity and price. And then the other thing, John, you just nailed it, though, with a little extra time. When I'm renting a car, the week before, I... My reservation. I've already let's say I've already run yeah. a car on Southwest or on National because I'm in the Emerald Club. I will go back in and just double check cars based on inventory can go up or down in prices. You get real close. There's been times when I've had let's say it's a $500 reservation because you don't pay till you get there,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then I'll look the week before and get the same car, same place, $200. So I'll cancel my existing reservation. Yeah. And grab a new one. Now, so, uh, sometimes I'll look and it's like twelve hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, I would say with rental cars, definitely like rental. never, never pay them at the time. Wait till even yes. if it's a little bit extra, wait till you're there because I've noticed a lot of times they'll change, they'll fluctuate, especially in Florida for some reason. Not really, maybe the old people. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah.
0: The uh, flight, the flights though. Yeah, I use I use a couple different sites. What do you use? I use Google uh-huh. Flights. Uh-huh. Google Flights. Yeah.
1: I'm a, I'm a kayak person just because I like setting up flight alerts. Uh, I think I kind of wanted to touch on the point of like, do you think there's a, a cheaper day to buy plane tickets? Like as you guys are kind of monitoring that, do you see like during the week? Do you have, like, have you noticed like there's a certain day of the week that you think is cheaper? Gosh, I don't spend that. I wish my dad was on here with us. I'm not,
2: yeah, I'm not, I haven't bought, well, because I'm, I've been just been using Southwest, and then I've just been using my points, so I haven't really been searching for flights. But I'm also, like, I get flight alerts from Scott's Cheap Flights, which is, like, free. You can sign up. Mm-hmm. He'll send you, like, free, like, the free d- deals of the day. But, I mean, I would say Tuesdays or Wednesdays, probably.
1: Yeah. Um, I I, so that's, I was kind of looking at this, too, because I, as I kind of track, I, I try to figure that out as well. And I think I saw an article, maybe it was in the New York Times, that talked about the cheapest days for buying flights. I think domestically, it's like Tuesday or Wednesday, and internationally, it's Thursday. And that's just looking at general trends. And don't quote me on that exactly. And just like you guys were saying, things fluctuate all the time, so it's not always cheaper, but they tend to be cheaper buying those days. So if it's like a Sunday night, and you're looking at travel, it might be good to just wait like two or three more days before you book that flight, because you can always get it cheaper. Um, And unlike cars, like, it's hard to cancel your flight and change the reservation. Yeah, cars, Um,
0: I would, yeah, flights are way different. I I also have noticed, I do know, I don't know about the day of the week to book, but I do know that the airport, the cheapest day to fly is Tuesday, the cheapest day to actually fly. It's also the least crowded day. If you have that flexibility and freedom, Tuesday is your day to hit the airport.
1: That's like the day I tend to fly home to Ohio. It's like Tuesday or like come in early Thursday, leave on a Tuesday. And the flights, I think the last couple of times I've gone from D.C. to Dayton, which is where my parents live, it was like 150 bucks, maybe less, which I think is like, you know, that's that's fantastic for me.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cheap.
0: What about What about some, we mentioned a couple Google flights. What do you guys got for websites? There's a huge group of influencers out there in the online space, I got four people I want to definitely mention that I think people should check out. Who do you guys, John, we'll start with you. Who do you go to outside of some of these major websites that you haven't mentioned yet to figure out how to save a few bucks?
1: So I'm not good with that, really. I have to say that I am not looking to any specific influencers. I think I kind of just stick with what I know. So it's like looking at Kayak, talking to other people about just things that they do. And just kind of setting up those flight alerts is probably the best thing. Like any service that has some kind of like flight alert that lets you know what the cost of your flight is every day, like in the date range that you're looking for, that's like, that's the most perfect thing because you'll just get an update every day. It'll let you know if it's dropped 50 bucks or gone up 50 bucks just to like kind of keep an eye on that stuff. And what about you guys? You can learn
0: from that data. Amy, what do you have?
2: So I have a couple, but like for points hacking, the points guy is great. So it's more for, I feel like that's more for like people who really are really into the credit card, like churn and burn. Yes. Um, because I'm on their Facebook group and I kind of had to pause it because it was like super annoying. Just like about like the people who were, they were just all they want to talk about. It's like how they use their points and like how they get them. And it was just, it was a little, it was, it was a bit much, but there are still some good pointers in there. And then, like I said before, um, for flights that Scott's Cheap Flights, it's a daily newsletter. And like I said, you can pay for the upgraded one where they'll he sends you better deals, I think, like more. But I just have the free one for now because I'm not really looking to travel to too many places. So it wasn't really that important for me right now. Um, I can't really like, I like that for international flights. And then I used to have Airfare Watchdog. I would set up a whole bunch of alerts because I have that Southwest companion pass so sometimes what we'll do is called a it's called a repositioning flight we'll we'll fly from columbus to boston or columbus to dc and then dc and boston have and new york have like better deals so from there you could fly to paris for cheaper or ireland for cheaper or iceland for cheaper so things like that
0: we're actually this so we're going to alaska friday we use our flight. We took direct flights to Midway, Chicago, mm-hmm. and then we got our free Alaska Airlines flights from O'Hare to Anchors. So we have a longer layover, and we have to go take an Uber yeah. from Midway to O'Hare. But it's only it's like a twenty minute ride to save to twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, two grand. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's worth it. So that that's good. I love Million Mile Secrets. Oh, yeah. That, that is a great site and resource where I actually learned about the Companion Pass originally, which is the best. The Companion Pass is the best budget travel saving method if you're traveling with somebody else in domestic travel, hands down, I think. So, yeah. I think
2: if you're based in America.
1: Yeah, yeah you're based in
0: America.
1: I think, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that Companion Pass, just like what that means and like what you get with it and how you get it?
0: Yeah, so we don't want to give away too many details because we're actually doing a workshop in July. <laughs> ah, all right, all right,
2: <laughs> and teaser, a beer teaser, tasting. Teaser. Yeah,
0: teaser coming up on it live. But you have to get a, you have to get one hundred and ten thousand points in a in, calendar in, year yeah. on Southwest, and then you qualify for the companion pass. I use them through credit card sign up bonuses, and what the deal is. You then fly for free. You, you designate somebody else to be your companion. It doesn't take those 110,000 points either. It just designates you as approved for it. So you still have the 110,000 points to burn on your own flights. And then you automatically can add a companion to any flight that you have on Southwest that there's a seat available on it through the next calendar year. We're going on, this is our sixth year on it. We have done – this is our third set of companion passes. We qualify in January so that it extends through December of the next calendar yeah. year. So we essentially get 24 months. I would imagine between the points – I actually, I wouldn't – it's not fair to count the points, I guess. But from the companion pass, I think we have received over those six years – 50 free domestic flights, not counting the points. We've flown between seven and nine times a year. That's amazing. That yeah. is amazing.
2: I do have a question about that. Yeah. So who signed up first, you or Jill?
0: I signed up once, and then Jill, Jill did it, and, then and now I'm back now, on how my second did you, one.
2: How did you get to do it twice? Did you cancel those original cards? I
0: canceled one card. And then it's
2: been 24 months, so it's okay.
0: Yes, and then I had a, I got a business card. So I got a, oh, I got a personal, right. yeah, I got a personal and a business.
2: Okay.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. And we'll t- take that makes flight, sense. I was we'll going to say, this. you guys are
1: flying a crazy amount. If one of you is flying over like 110,000 miles in a year. Yes. That's the other way to get it. That's.
2: You have to fly 110. Yes. Like flights. one way. I think it's one way.
0: Yeah. And if you really want to know how to do it, like I said, we're going to yeah. July 26 over at Hopewell, we're going to. Works, downtown Columbus, we're actually going to do a take people through how to get the companion pass. And we're going to throw in a beer tasting because craft beer tastings are always fun to combine with travel hacking events. Good question. Here's who I – outside Million Mile Secrets, the points guy who Amy previously mentioned. I love – Chris Gilliboo doesn't talk about it as much on his website anymore, but his website, The Art of Nonconformity – how to live a life that nobody else really wants you to live is the theme. And he's done quite a bit on travel hacking. He has a lot of old content on there that is still very on point for any type of travel. And then, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote The Four Hour Work Week a long time ago. But that book, while not specific to budget travel, is all about liberating yourself from the nine to five mindset in life, and how to choose an alternative lifestyle. And I think budget travel and embracing some of these types of things comes with a little bit of that four-hour workweek mindset and liberating yourself from travel is expensive. I can only travel one time a year. If I do travel, I'm it's going to be really stressful and we're going to need a, quote, vacation from our vacation. So those are my recommendations. I would say dig into that book a little bit maybe.
1: So have you guys kind of seen a shift? So it, in D.C., I work from home most of the time. So, like, I have that flexibility to just go somewhere and I can work from there. You know, have you guys kind of seen that shift in, in other cities? Like, is that happening in Columbus where most people can work from from home or work remotely if they want to go back to visit family in another city? Is that kind of permissible? Like, What's happening it, it Not, is, not in DC, it, I guess. De- I think it's I think it happening. depends
2: where you work.
1: Yeah, it really does
0: it depends it, on the place. I,
2: I'm not allowed to <laughs> If I'm not at my desk, they don't think I'm doing anything. So um I'm not allowed to, but I do notice whenever I come home there seems to be a ton of people like hanging off the rafters at Bodega and and I'm like, It's like three o'clock, how these people get out of work already? And they just think Either work from home, or they probably have some sort of different, different job.
0: I think and it's. I think it's. Ha- it does depend on who you work with. But before I started being on my own, I could do it, and it was actually a big reason. A couple of the companies I worked with was able to do it. Actually, my wife got a traditional job and talked to them about it in the interview process, and basically you know, just said, I I really, this is very important to me to be able to do this and that's going to be part of the process in getting this job. And they were totally aligned with it. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's not there all the way there yet, but it's, it's a huge piece. Actually, this place that we're going to be doing that travel hacking workshop at John is a space for people who work from home or work remotely and need a place to have a meeting is actually the concept of the place.
1: Oh yeah, like, like a, shared a shared office space. space. That's, That's becoming, more becoming more common here too.
0: too. Not co not like co working though, where you have an office and you store stuff. Like you literally come in, you need to meet with somebody who's gonna you mainly work from home and you just wanna come somewhere and have a cup of coffee.
2: It's more like a membership based, not desk based.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cool. but so so Yeah, that stuff's definitely happening.
2: I actually have um, two friends who are traveling. They've been traveling for the last three or four months. They're traveling the rest of the year. And they are working remotely the entire time. Um, One's a commercial real estate agent who I guess he has somebody else doing his closings for him. Um, And the other person works at an architecture firm and she does environmental graphics. And they said, okay, you can do it.
0: I think 80% of the companies now are letting...
2: I don't think it's that high.
0: You don't think it's that no. high?
2: I think it's like
0: 50%. I'm, most, I'm also, hang. I hang out more in the startup scene, yeah, I think.
2: They do. But I'm, I, so I have a friend who works for a more traditional place who's not allowed to. And then I have some more people, I have other people who work in more flexible stuff mm-hmm. and they're allowed to. Interesting. But I for my friends, it's definitely like 50-50. Okay. And I've only worked at one other place where they allow it.
1: Wow. Well, I like it. It's the digital nomad lifestyle. I think it's cool, but I think it's also, it can be hard to do. You know, just like going around city to city and not knowing anyone. Like, I, I tried it for a little bit. I, I found it difficult to do. Um, just like finding roots in another town that you just like go hang out. But I, I was doing it by myself, so it's not, it's probably a different story if like two people are together roaming around. I
0: need a week to kind of get my feet wet if I go do that. And that's also, longer, slower travel is a great way to, Save money if you yes. if you can do this longer, slower you can travel.
2: Stay at places like Airbnb gives you a discount if you're yeah. staying there for a longer period of time.
0: Absolutely, I I had this question on here in just throwing out when we were talking on email leading up to this, but I think some people might wonder why you know why does it make sense or why is it important to travel on a budget or try travel hacking and. I want to share my actual answers to my own questions and then open it up to you guys. (laughs) Because I put, I was thinking about it. I said, why does it? Why do people think that? And I think you want to travel on a budget and be relentlessly cheap and frugal. Like, John, like you do on some of these things because you get to see more places. You get to have more unique, cool experiences when you go to these places. And this sounds really stupid, but you get to travel more. Yeah, And that's, to me, that's worth spending a little extra time and energy and being smart about how you travel. What do you guys think?
2: I mean, I totally, completely agree with all those things you just said. The other thing that I kind of do within that is I kind of figure out like what's important to me. Like what's my thing that I care more about when I'm traveling? Do I care more about how I get there? Which would be the flight. Which would be, I'm going to save all my points and sit in first class. Which I don't do at all. Because I walk by those people and I'm like, they like fly ten times instead of just once. But whatever. Um, So for me, it's more like getting there as cheap as possible. And then spending maybe a little bit more on accommodations if I feel like it. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like Everyone always is like, why do you want to go to all these places? I'm like, I just want to see the world. Like, I want to see how other people do things, and I want to eat what other people are eating. And I want to kind of immerse myself in other cultures because, to me, that's the reason for, like, living and being on this planet is to see other people and cultures and figuring everything like that out. That's for me. That's it.
0: That's why – I mean, that's literally why I started this – I mean, that's why we started Hashtag 59, I think, is – to do that what do you what's going on with your thoughts there John
1: I mean I was thinking did you guys see my notes already because that's basically what I wrote too so Amy just exactly what you were saying there is you know it's like I spend money on things that are important to me so you know I don't need to fly first class or I'll spend a little bit less on lodging or get a smaller car because that doesn't matter to me as much as, like, the location that I get to or yeah. trying a different restaurant or seeing something. Um, and then just, like, a side note on that first-class thing. So, I like, living in D.C., I have some friends who travel internationally a lot. And essentially, they just get bumped up to first-class all the time because they're, like, elite status members. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that there are very few people actually paying for first-class. That's what I tell yeah. myself anyway. I don't know how true that is.
0: Greg Vert who's been working since we graduated college for Deloitte and flies every week. He gets bumped up every – he goes on that guy's trip with us every mm-hmm. year. He gets bumped – every time we're flying somewhere, he, he gets, gets bumped, bumped up to first class. He doesn't pay for it.
2: Yeah. I was thinking more like those people who are not really paying for the flight, but more like using their points to get their first class flight. Because right. you, you, know, you can spend 120,000 points to do that. And I'm like thinking, oh, my God, I could spend 20,000 points to the yeah, fly there. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can fly four, four more, times. more times. Exactly, that's silly. Yeah. We got
0: some rapid fire questions, John. What What do you want to ask Amy and I that you think the listeners might be interested in? Do you have any any um,
1: other? I was just scanning through my my tips. So I don't know if this were how this is in Ohio because like I haven't lived in Ohio in like 15 years, and my memory is getting foggy. So in DC, we have. A ton of different ways to kind of move around the East Coast, and that's like an elitist East Coast thing to say. So I've got buses that move between all the cities very inexpensively. Yeah. train, train, same thing. Has that hit the kind of the Midwest yet? So oh. I can go to New York City for like <laughs> thirty, forty bucks each each way on a bus. You know, is that thing kind of has that so come to Ohio? We, it is not well, reached.
2: We did. We had a we had we used to have the Megabus, and we had the Megabus that would take you to Chicago mm-hmm. for like. Thirty dollars. And then suddenly one day they like stopped doing it. And I don't know what happened. And then we there was one I've actually taken the Chinatown bus from Columbus to New York City.
1: Really? I will never
2: do it again. It, it was
1: That's a long trip. That's a, a real long it trip. It
2: wasn't only that, it was overnight. They stopped in the middle of Pennsylvania somewhere, switched out drivers. And I swear to God they were going 100 miles an hour because we got there in, like, seven hours.
0: John, I'm not joking. Jill Jill and I go to a restaurant that's right by where the old Chinatown NYC to Columbus bus stop was. Mm -hmm. I think I'd have better odds of getting my wife to pay for both of us to try to go scale (laughs) Mount Everest or – swim and th- swim in our boxers in the North Pole than I would get on her getting on that bus ever in her entire life. No oh, okay. way.
2: So yes. this is the reason I did it. It was because we were going to New York City for a wedding and we wanted to go to Ireland afterwards. And so I found pretty cheap flights to Ireland but I was like, well, we're going to Ireland. Like we got to get to New York City somehow for cheap. So $100... We flew back to Columbus, though we only went to New York. Plus.
0: I I think I think what we can here's here's what it is, though. Really, is picking what's really like. What are you willing to yes. do to and, see right. the world? Yeah, you <laughs> with your point of public transit. I will say Columbus, for instance. I I was just laughing when I came before I came over to Amy's to record this. She lives right by one of my clients, this yoga studio, and I walked in. And one of the ladies said, "Hey, I saw you walking around the park today." And then the other lady said, "Hey, I saw you riding your bike up <laughs> up the street today." And within Columbus, there isn't great public transit outside of the suburbs. But within the suburbs, if you're the Midwest is not patient enough yet. You need to have things to do, and you need to be willing to walk farther and you need to be yeah. willing to bike further. You need to be willing to sweat a little bit. You need to be willing to have a podcast on while you sit on the bus and take a little bit more time to get from place to place because talking about budget traveling, slower travel, walking, biking, taking public transit will save you a lot of money and it's good for the planet and also you'll be able to save a little bit more money I think in the long run to be able to go somewhere else.
1: I think the public transit thing is also, like, a nice – I don't know if you want to call that a travel hack, but it's a good way to save money in the sense that, you know, when I went to San Francisco, I just – I had, like, my BART card, which is, like, the local uh, bus system or in subway, and you can use that to get around town really cheap. All you need is, like, your Google Maps app, and it'll tell you exactly where the bus stop is and where it's where it's going. Yeah, so it, it's super simple. It's like, all right, I need to walk, you know, two blocks. There's going to be a bus that's going to take me across town in five minutes, and it costs three bucks. You know, it, it was like so amazing. I was with my uncle, and he's like, "Man, you know the city so well." I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, yeah, that's definitely it. I definitely know the city really well." So I'm sitting here like plugging in addresses in my phone, but I, I find that to be a great way to travel. Uh, like a, a, a story, I've been to Japan a couple times, and the first time, like, smartphones didn't really exist. It was like 2002 or 2003, something like that. And I went back with my smartphone and we used cabs to get around everywhere the first time I was there because we just didn't know how to kind of navigate the systems. But, you know, with that smartphone app, it's so easy. Even in another language, it's just like walk over here, hop on this bus, and it'll move you along. It's like so amazing.
2: That's awesome. I think that also
0: there's, there's strategy with it. I, I'll, we've gone to a... The BART actually is a great example. Our friends got married in San Francisco, and a bunch of our friends all went out there. They're from there. We've gone out there a few times to see them and do other stuff. And We were actually going to, I think, Yosemite after the wedding. We didn't rent a car until afterwards, and we just took the public transit in. Some of my other friends were renting a car and bringing it because they were going too, but like they brought it downtown and paid for it oh. to park. Oh, no. And that's the worst. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, like just we'll just take a the BART back out to the airport and get our car in a few days. But just little things that if you don't travel a lot or you don't, or know you don't that. prepare for that before you go, even if you don't go a lot, yeah, you just don't know that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think every time you travel, you get a little bit smarter yeah. about
1: it's what like do, any what skill not to set. do.
2: Like you don't bring a roller bag to Europe.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that's just good advice. Like if you're if you've got to walk anywhere with that bag, like you do not want a roller bag. Like yeah. having that backpack is so convenient. Um, I bought a new one because I was thinking of going to Iceland, and I agree. Like it's you don't want to carry that around the airport if you can avoid it, or through trains and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think just other like simple tips like that are, you know, try to fit everything in one bag. Like the carry on bag is like so, just makes your life so much easier in the sense of you save time, and if time is money. You're saving a lot of that because you can skip waiting for the baggage claim. Uh,
2: I broke up with somebody because he checked a bag on a four-day trip. I was like, We're, this isn't going to work.
1: I, I have like a tiny little backpack that I can jam everything I need into for four days. Like, like a second pair of shoes and everything. One tiny little backpack. And I think some of those other things, like we talked about the, the bargain airlines for a second. And I think that's one thing that is not always clear they have baggage fees, and sometimes they're kind of steep, even to bring a bag on the plane. So I just—I yeah. was in Yellowstone, I flew back on Frontier, and you need to book that, like, you need to tell them that you're, you're checking a bag in advance, or they charge you, like, double the amount when you get to the gate, and, like, you'll be surprised to find that it's going to be, like, $80 to check your bag. So sometimes it's not always cheaper to fly those bargain airlines with all those fees, unless you want to wear, like, all your clothes onto the plane, like eight layers (laughs) of clothes. I don't know if anyone's tried that yet. Um.
0: Southwest, that's that's the other reason I I really like Southwest is, and I mean, that is my airline of choice, especially domestically. We don't fly anything else domestically. In fact, we just travel to where Southwest goes, honestly. But part of that, yes, the free flights are nice. Yes, them singing happy birthday to people on the plane gives me a nice... (laughs) sense of this is a cool culture, but they're so transparent with their stuff that you there is no hidden crap on there. And that's something that's I think sometimes people if you're not an experienced budget traveler you say, Oh look, this is great. I'm gonna save eighty three dollars by booking this flight instead and you don't realize you're gonna you have to check a bag and get a water and xyz on these on these ultra cheap uh-huh. airlines so south i mean southwest is what it is and yeah. so think keep that in mind when you're trying to book some of these flights and looking yeah. at all that
1: yeah and then for lodging I, I have a question so is Jill more comfortable with airbnbs at this point in her life, or she's still? that's still kind of a no go? Does she not like Airbnb?
2: She doesn't enough? like it as well. I mean, how does she, she not
0: like it? She doesn't dislike Airbnbs. She loves five star hotels. Oh, not five
2: star
1: hotels. Well, well, there's like when Airbnb. I don't know when they first came around. I was in Toronto and Mike was there too with with yes. Jill. And I was like, she's like Airbnbs. There's like cameras all over that place. They're watching you do everything. And I'm like, <laughs> Jill, you know, like maybe, but I'm not doing anything all that interesting. And
0: <laughs> you weren't, we, we came over, we were rather, yeah,
1: well, I I were. brought them over to show them the place. It was like a super nice apartment, you know, in some, some high rise in the, in the middle of Toronto and we could yeah. like look out over the city. And I, I don't know, I'm hoping that like changed your mind a little bit about the experience. I've also had really cheap Airbnbs. My dad was just giving me a hard time. We, we stayed in one in Casper, Wyoming on our road trip from Denver into Yellowstone and it was 50 bucks for a two bedroom place and it was exactly what you get for 50 bucks
2: there and
1: I I, I I have not heard the end of it yet <laughs> like from my dad like <laughs> it was fine but it wasn't like fancy at all there's like zero amenities and you know it is what it is i absolutely forgot about that
0: when we were both in toronto and whatever that was her first time she would ever walked into one though. we've stayed probably i'd say at this point two dozen times though yeah yeah but uh, will one thing and i think this is actually a good Thing is she does like to read the reviews before we...
2: Oh, yeah. I was going to write a podcast about, about this. Yeah. How to, how to find a good Airbnb and, like, how to read between the lines, basically. Yes,
1: yes. that's exact. So I, I'm better at that now, and I'm trying to, like, write in that code because you don't want to say anything rude about the person because it's not usually a problem with anything, but you want to let people know that the place is not, like, fancy. So yeah. I'll, I'll try to, like... If they say only nice things about the person in the reviews and don't mention the place, that is usually a clue that the place is not that nice. Yeah. That's oh, like I those like are too. the kind of little things you need to look for. If the person doesn't say they would stay there again, maybe you should keep looking. I have
0: also found and this is probably unfair to say that the Airbnbs in the cities are you, you get a little what you just mentioned with Casper, Wyoming. You're paying, oh, yeah. you were you were paying for a stopping point in Yellowstone.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: And you were paying for what you get. I found I found that if you find the one, you pay for what you get, but also there's just a lot better, more options in the cities. I think my friend Freddie and I were going to Great Great Basin State Park out in Nevada, and we looked at a couple in Baker, which is a town of like a hundred people, and it it just looked kind of goofball and like yeah. a little sketchy and we wound up staying at this little cute motel with like a
2: I think farm it,
0: to table breakfast yeah. and it, it just worked, it just worked a lot better. I and feel we, like at
2: those places it's better to go with those local like hotel, hotel motels than an Airbnb. Too. Like yeah. we're doing that, we, we're going out to, um, Olympic and Mount Rainier, um, in September and we're not, I was looking at Airbnbs and I was like, I don't really like any of these. They're really expensive. It's actually cheaper to stay at a really nice, like, B&B, and, like, you get free breakfast then, so then you don't have to pay for breakfast, so.
0: And that, yeah, overall, though, yes, we do We do love it. And she's still, though, I mean, that being said, it, it, when the money tree comes, she likes to stay at a five-star hotel <laughs> instead. I'm always like, yeah, of course she would, right? Yeah. So, Let's let's do, let's do some. Robes. Yeah, yeah. She's like, of course I want to stay where Obama stayed. Why not? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think Mike, that's like one of. The, I think this is your question. Is so, like, what's the biggest misconception about budget travel? And to kind of wrap this up, it's not always a bad place that you're staying. Like, sometimes you just might not get all the amenities that you would um, other times. But staying in an Airbnb or a VRBO or whatever it is doesn't mean that it's. Um, Crappy. It's not. It's yeah. not a five star hotel, but sometimes I think you get more. So my dad was just using VRBO when they were in San, uh, San Diego, and they got this like lovely condo that had like a rooftop deck that looked out over the beach. And um, like personally, I think you get a little bit more than you would in a hotel because the internet's included. You get a kitchen, like a couple bedrooms. Like you get you get a little bit more. Uh, it it just depends on like what you're willing to spend and what you're comfortable with.
0: When we work remotely somewhere, we I couldn't even imagine being in a hotel anymore after being in Airbnbs because you get so much more space. You're in a neighborhood often where you can walk and find this cool local coffee shop. Yeah. I think the biggest misconception out there about budget travel is that it's dangerous or it's dirty.
2: Oh, definitely. And those just. It's not true.
0: You have to look. Yeah. You have to look. I agree. But it's only dangerous or dirty. If you're trying to save an extra nine dollars and you didn't look and you're not doing,
2: I guess my Chinatown bus situation that was a little bit dangerous and dirty.
0: <laughs> and that, but that is like you were saving some because how much does it cost to go it's, to Columbus to New York City? It's
2: three hundred and fifty dollars, and we didn't have any any points then. So it's yeah. wait,
0: it's three hundred and fifty dollars. It depends
2: on the day and time, but this that
0: doesn't seem s- like that saves you that much money.
2: Oh no 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 the. F- The flights are $350 a person. Oh, how
0: much was the bus ride?
2: $50.
0: Okay. Each
2: person. $100 total. Okay. Versus $600 or $700.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So how about, what's one trip, and we'll start with you, Amy, and then go John and me. What's one trip you're either saving up to do or one you would like to save up for?
2: So I'm not really saving up for anything right now, just because I kind of already have everything paid for and planned out. Um, and then next year, we're doing a cross-country trip from Columbus to Utah. And like we were talking about before, it's very budget. We're camping the whole time. So we I'm not really saving for that. I mean, I have to save a little bit of money. But I would like to go to Vietnam probably in a couple of years, and for that, I probably only have to save up for the flight. But when you get to Vietnam, it's insanely cheap. Yes, so.
0: absolutely. As I've been to the Philippines and China, and that was the same.
2: Yeah. John,
0: what about you? Where where you want to go?
1: I think up next to me, so I'm going to France at the end of August, and I'm, I'm trying to figure those things out right now. I just got a flight super cheap on kayak. I got it for like... 650, and uh, I'm going with a friend, and they spent like 900. Like, they're, they're going for work, and I'm kind of just like meeting up with them and hanging out. And I don't know, like, it'll be good. I just need to figure out like all the lodging things and, and look at that stuff too. And then maybe next year, I'm going to march up and down all those stairs at Machu Picchu.
2: Yes, that's on the that's radar. Gonna I fun. think John's
1: going to come with us next year on I don't that. I think I can go now. Yeah.
2: I could use my two weeks for my.
0: Oh yeah, you're gonna be out of time. <laughs> Two week yeah, John's vacation. gonna make John's gonna make a come on come on the guys trip with Greg and Mark and Matt and I on that.
1: The, I gotta start I gotta start the Stairmaster now. I was reading about know, that. It's you better, like
2: you better get doing going, stairs
1: man. at altitude. Are <laughs> like you
2: guys gonna do the hike?
1: I wanna do the hike.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My friend yeah. did that, she said it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it looks amazing. But you do it?
2: have to you do have to train.
0: <laughs> yes. And that's oh. the Inca Trail in Machu Picchu. Uh, Biarritz, France is one of my favorite places I've ever been, John. You might want to look that up. It's a, oh yeah, it's a sleepy surfer town in southwest France. I love it. Right uh, mine, mine is. I was thinking about saving New Zealand because that is mm. ultra expensive. Even if you get some flights or deals, pretty
2: good flight deals.
0: It, but notoriously, once you get there, it's an expensive. Oh yeah, place, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. And then I do want to. We want to go to Tanzania and Zanzibar and climb Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. And I guess you're nice. talking about that. That's not there's not really a way around pain, from a paying for, for, the for flight. yeah paying for the flight and and to uh, you know you're paying for you're paying for the trekking company and mm-hmm. so that that's oh, some yeah. stuff to save for. What about what's a trip or destination that's notoriously expensive that John that you've hacked to make inexpensive?
1: So, I I mean, I guess there's two. So, we didn't talk about this, but there's something called the shoulder season, and that's basically, like, off-season travel moments, and flights are typically cheaper than, I think, one shoulder season in the U.S. is at Thanksgiving, so flying internationally at Thanksgiving isn't done a lot in the United States, because a lot of people are flying domestically to visit family. Uh, I went to Turkey, Istanbul more specifically, and I think the trip... For like a week was less than a thousand dollars, including flight, staying at a hotel, and like food and all that. Oh, so, gosh,
2: that's amazing.
1: That, yeah, uh, that was you know in 2012. I don't know and what 2018 family, prices are like these thing. days, but yeah, a, a lot of those little things. Um, and then I also got really lucky with Cuba. I managed to go maybe two years ago. There were some travel restrictions that when Obama was leaving office, he he relaxed. Yeah. A lot, and there were a whole bunch of commercial flights that had opened up. Actually, too many because they found out that not as many people as I thought wanted to go to Cuba. So the the flights were cheap, and I made some arrangements with some local guides to show me around because what had been uh, what you needed to do previously was like book an expensive tour, essentially because you had to be doing very specific things when you were in Cuba, and it was like three thousand dollars for a couple days on the island. And I think we did it for like. 500 $600 a person, maybe a little more than that. I don't know if you can do that anymore because the travel restrictions have changed again, and I yeah. think it's much more difficult to get into Kiva.
2: Well, you also have to now do the cultural... You have to be going there part as part of a tour again.
1: Yeah, well, we, we had to do the same thing in, in a sense, but we kind of arranged our own tour guides oh. every day instead of going through a company, which was going to charge us like five or six times the amount that we could just find a local and hire a local to do.
0: I had... Western Europe. I think Western Europe is notoriously expensive, and we are going on this trip in a month or so, beer cycling, and we're bi- we're biking from place to place and staying in these small farmhouses in between each day of cycling. Lodging's inexpensive from that. Then we're doing, there's four of us, and we each had enough points to get a night hotel so like we,
2: each person get a night yeah hotel. so okay. each of us are
0: using points to get a night i'm i'm in charge of brussels and then we grabbed an airbnb and i had points for one way
2: for your for flight. The flight
0: so i think i'm doing 12 days in western europe amsterdam brussels antwerp and some sleepy beach towns and a beer cycling trip the beer cycling trip is fourteen hundred dollars and my entire trip I think is two two thousand dollars. Oh. So two thousand dollars for like twelve twelve days in Western Europe. It was some pretty nice amenities. Cool. And I think that would it, it could have very easily been
2: three thousand?
0: Three thousand to four thousand, yeah. I think. So that that's one I pulled off. And like I said, this week we're actually going to Alaska and
2: that's usually expensive.
0: Yeah, the flights. The flights are mainly well,
2: over a thousand
0: dollars, and we we were able to navigate and use free flights, so we're saving about, I think, tw- maybe like twenty two to twenty four hundred dollars on that. It's awesome. Yeah, and then I actually am looking forward to this last question before we go. So, John, <laughs> as we previously mentioned, yeah. Has Award Wieners podcast, and we thought a little. This is a nice little collaboration with the Award Wieners podcast that John and Dave host. What movies have inspired each of you to? Amy's laughing at me. I'm because sitting I have here. So with many. Her. You have so many. <laughs> Amy's going to be on the Award Wieners podcast. She's. A, I didn't know she's such an Oscar buff here. I am. Uh, so okay. Well, John, you want to let ladies first on this. She seems very excited here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, hit us up with your your picks. Yeah, I'm interested okay. to learn what you're after too.
2: Okay, so this question is all about like what movies have inspired you to travel. So I kind of did a whole bunch and the reasons why. So Lost in Translation, it's it's set in Japan and it gives you the like you know kind of an overview of you know nightlife in Japan, hotel life, things like that. Um, Il Postino, which is an Italian film, um, it made me want to go to visit all the little islands in Italy. Um, Midnight in Paris is basically a love letter to nighttime in Paris. Um, and of course, Natural Lampoon's Vacation reminds Uh me of all of the road trips when I was a kid. And I do have one more. It's not a very good film, but the cinematography in it is amazing. Um, it's the secret life of Walter Mitty. He goes to Iceland and then he, I forgot where else he goes, but he goes and like climbs all these mountains and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So...
1: I think that was written by a guy from Ohio, too. Oh, really? I think so. Like, there's a book, and I, I think someone from Ohio wrote it. I could be wrong about that. The cinematography in that movie is really good. That's, that's a good yeah. list. That's,
2: Thank you.
0: John, what do you have?
1: Uh, so I'm just going to name one film, which is maybe a little more obscure. It's called Baraka. And it's, uh, these guys basically just went around the world, and they filmed different cultures and different locations they don't really give you any clue as to what is happening in any of these scenes. And then they juxtapose them next to each other. So you can kind of see how cultures are different or similar. And you just kind of see all these scenes all over the world. And the narrative is basically anything. Just You're kind of interpreting things based on your own lens. So like if you see someone doing something, you may not know what they're actually doing. But you may interpret it a certain way because you've experienced something in life like that. And I don't know, it's, it's incredibly good. I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm not explaining it very well. It's really hard to explain something that's more abstract, but I, everyone that has seen it, that I know, has see, that has seen it has liked it.
2: What's um, it like? Again,
1: it's, it's just scenes from all over the world. Baraka is the name of the film.
2: Mine. It's like,
1: yeah, sorry. Yeah, These I'm two cinematographers good. just went everywhere and just filmed things. I think they just basically got paid to travel and, and shoot. Film. like that's basically how they probably sold that
0: i thought about this question for a little while and i didn't think i had anything and the more i dug one this is so i never even really fully watched the movie my wife's just watched it and i kind of seen but the exotic marigold hotel uh, yeah. is i do it's there's it's a cute little, 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 a cute little thing. funny thing Funny film with a lot of wonderful actors from...
2: They're all British.
0: ...from Britain. <laughs> and it does make me, though, not just want to go to India, but I just love that they were so... A lot of them were so excited to be living somewhere else and experiencing this new culture. While wow, I do want to go to India very soon. Not just there, but anywhere. It kind of opened you up to that experience, and that's... It reminded me of why I love to travel so much, that experience. And this one's going to sound crazy. Number two is 127 Hours, where James Franco gets his he arms. He cuts
2: his arm off. He cuts
0: his arm off and gets sucked. But...
2: It makes you want to go... But...
0: To, it makes but, you want but. to go to Utah. Yeah, exactly. It's got some really cool scenery and, and stuff going on in Utah. And that one actually was... I've gone to Utah, I think, close to a dozen times. And that movie was kind of one of the kickstarts of what am I not... Why am I not spending more time hiking around in Utah? Yeah. Not going canyoneering by myself.
2: Correct. Tell people where you're going.
0: Yes, absolutely, <laughs> and doing that stuff, but exploring that area. And I will with the with the timing on this. Probably my biggest piece outside of like Chris Chris Gillaboo's podcast or a blog on travel hacking for travel was actually uh, to. The recently, unfortunately, deceased Anthony Bourdain, No no Reservations, was a big and Parts influence. Unknown. And Parts Unknown were both big influences uh, on my travel and ideas and places to go. So, wow,
1: not a movie, so a TV show.
2: And a great I, I, series. Yeah. It's on Netflix.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that. I've used Anthony Bourdain for all sorts of restaurant recommendations, going places. And I like your thoughts on the best exotic Marigold Hotel. It's like getting that cultural immersion and just like going and living someplace for a while and like really observing it does just look kind of fun, especially if you have people with you that you like to hang out with.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, you guys got any parting words before we head out of here? I don't think so. John?
1: com. Yes. That's
0: it. Uh, Yeah. And thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to have you on. We appreciate your time and energy. Uh, And for everybody listening, thanks for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast. And a little upcoming, we're at Hashtag59.com. We have social media channels, contests, and events on there. And we have a travel hacking workshop actually coming up July 26. If you live in central Ohio, or really Ohio, and you want to come in, I'm going to Take people through how to get the companion pass. Amy and I are going to be there working on that. And then we're going to have a craft beer tasting with a lovely local craft brewery. It's going to be a fun evening. You're going to get to connect with other travelers and adventurers. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, we'd love to see you there. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a freaking awesome review while you're there. And thanks so much for listening because adventure travel feeds the soul. Hashtag 59.